This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. That is Proverbs 19.20. Guys, we're so glad to have you with this podcast. This is actually my first live recorded podcast of 2023. So welcome to 2023 for me in the show. But guys, just wanted to remind you to leave us a five-star review. And this time of year, again, this time of year, Everybody is wanting something good shared with them because everybody's kind of in that new spirit, that new movement. Like, oh, they look back on last year and they looked at the things they didn't do so well on and things they want to do better at. So they've got their gym plan and they've got their reading plan and they've got this and that. And they're looking for for audiobooks and they're looking for podcasts. So guys, if this has been valuable to you at all, please share this with like-minded folks or people that you would like to be like-minded folks eventually. Just share this around with them. And also just want to, again, bring this to your attention that we are partnered with Origin Maine. So they make the best jujitsu geese on the planet. They've got work boots. They've got jeans. They've got a whole lot more stuff coming. And they've also got hunting gear. And I'm about to get all my hunting gear in, so I'm very, very excited to go hunting with that in 2023. They've got a lot more stuff coming out on the hunting line, especially for this year. And then on the Jocko Fuel side, They've got Jocko Go, uh, which are the energy drinks. They've got supplements. They've got greens. They've got creatine. They've got whey protein. They've got all that stuff. And you can try all that stuff at a discount. I know I talk about them all the time, guys. If you go to their store and at checkout where you can put in the promo code or coupon code, put in the word undaunted. Okay, undaunted, and you will get 10% off your order at originmain.com. You can check all that out in the show notes. So we're not doing any quick hitters today on this particular podcast because this is going to be good for you, and, and we've got a lot to talk about on the news cycle. Believe me, I've been kind of chomping at the bit for the last two or three weeks, but we'll get back into the news cycle next week because on this episode, we're going to continue our beginning of the year tradition, if you will, with our Ways to Avoid Being a Crappy Man series, okay? So the thing about this series is we've done this every single January that we've had the show, except for one. I think we skipped 2021. I can't even remember the, the reason why we did that. But I give you some generalized advice as to if you just do these things, you can avoid being a crappy man this year. Now, it's not an exhaustive list. And again, this year we have 17 ways, which might seem like a lot, but believe me, there are way more that I wanted to talk about. But the cool thing about this list is I know guys that will go back and listen to this podcast uh, over and over. This was one of the most popular podcasts from last year. I know guys will take this list and they will you know, print it out. They'll type it up, print it out and put it on their mirror. The first thing they see, they put on their notes on their phone. And so it's something that can always kind of be with them as just a reminder. Some of these things are going to be easy for you guys to do. Some of these things you guys already do. Some of them certainly don't apply to you, but then some are going to absolutely punch you in the gut. And those would be the ones that I would tell you you should really, really focus on. And in terms of how I put this year's list together, I always look back on the previous year's list and I try to improve upon it, not just add to it, right? Now there are more you know, ways this year than there were last year, but I try to adjust what they sound like. I adjust uh, the order that I talk about them in, and there's not really a particular order, but I want them to kind of crescendo for different guys. And I want to leave as many hooks in the water as possible for you all. But I, I try to look at the things that are applicable because what you'll notice about this year's list is there are things that have been on every single list. Every time I do this that are on this list, then, then there are things that have been reworded and then there's just straight up new things and things that I've kind of left off not because they're not important, but I just replaced them with something else. So a lot of really, really great things for you guys. This is going to be major self-improvement. So if you're like the self-helpy guy, that's not really who I am. This is kind of as self-helpy as I get. So 
Here we go. Here are your top 17 ways to avoid being a crappy man in 2023 in no particular order. So number one, get involved in a local church. Now, the reason why I wanted to put this number one specifically, I'm fully aware that not everyone in my audience is a Christian. And we're so happy that those of you are, that are here that are agnostic or atheists or of some other religion, we're so glad that you're here listening to this show. So I know that this is going to strike some of you as odd, but I wanted to make sure to put this first because I know at different points in the past, I've seemed a little down on the local church because I can be very critical. And I, I do that on purpose. I want to be critical on purpose. I want to make sure that I'm critiquing people so that they will get better. That's kind of my style. I'm like that coach that is really, really, really hard on you, but is doing that for your benefit, not just because he's a masochist, you know, you know, that type of thing. And so when I say get involved in a local church, I, I get a lot of emails about a lot of different subjects. But one of the most common emails I get is, Kyle, I'm moving to this part of the U.S. or I'm moving to this part even of the world. Do you know of any churches in my area that are man friendly? And I've asked a lot of people to, you know, have me put a list together on my website of the churches that I, that I think are man friendly or that I know are man friendly. And what I try to explain to guys is like, look, I could spend the rest of my, you know, I could only do that with my time. So not do any podcasts, not do any reading, not do any creation of new content and only update the list of man friendly churches. And I, it would still be a crappy list. And the reason is, is because there's constantly things that are changing. There's staff turnover at different churches or churches that were seemingly man-friendly last year, but not this year. So I want to focus instead of on, hey, what church in my area should I do? Um, and I want you to focus on just getting involved in a local church. That doesn't mean that that church is going to be perfect. It doesn't mean it's going to have perfect people in it because if you're there, it's, it's already not perfect, right? It doesn't mean you're going to like the music. It doesn't mean that the sermon content is going to be great for you. But again, the local church is not for you. The local church is for God and his glory, right? The Bible is not about you. The Bible is about God. And so get involved at a local church that teaches the Bible, not life lessons, not, you know, if you do these things, you'll be able to, you know, knock things out of the park at your next board meeting, but actual tangible, this is what we do. This is what the Bible is. This is what it means. Exegesis, not eisegesis, because I don't want you guys to hear me be critical of some of these local churches and think to yourself, all right, that's my excuse to do me. Kyle said it, so I'm not going to go to church. I'm going to be very, very clear. If, I, if it's ever come off that I w did not want you to be a part of a local congregation, that is my fault, and I apologize. That should, that should have never come through. So just to be absolutely crystal clear, I think you should be involved in a church in your area, and you should go into it with the mindset of what can I do to serve the church and to serve the flock, not the other way around. So number one way, again, not in any particular order, the number one way today to avoid being a crappy man in 2023, get involved in a local church. All right, number two, study the Bible with other men. And for those of you that are worried, are all these going to be Christianese? Some of them will be, some of them won't be. Like, get over yourself. But like, study the Bible with other men. And the reason why I put this second is because of what we literally, if you guys have been paying attention to every episode before this, what we literally just launched on Sunday, which is the forging table. It's me and three other guys every single week going through a single book of the Bible. Okay, so we're doing Galatians and then we'll move on to some other ones in the future, but studying the Bible with other men because I've been a part of and I've gotten a lot of value out of, you know, uh, you know, I talked about my foxhole. We're all reading the same book at the same time and not all of those books are certainly coming from a Christian worldview and how much value I get out of those books just being able to discuss it with a group of men. But if you're able to really dig into scripture, and your brain works your way, and their brain works that way, and their brain works that way. They have this religious background, and you have this, and you kind of get this, uh, you know, gumbo of different ways of looking at the Bible. The, the way that the text will come alive for you 
is going to be astonishingly different than if you were just studying it by yourself. And one thing that I've found for me, I'm very, very easily distracted. That's why fiction is so hard for me to read because if I get distracted for half a page, like my, my, you know, my eyes keep moving down the page, but my brain is somewhere else. You might lose the, the entire, uh, you know, thing that you, you need to know for, for that narrative structure and that narrative arc, you may lose it. Right. Whereas with nonfiction, it's not necessarily that way. But when I study the Bible by myself, I tend to get pretty distracted. And I think that that is satanic. I think that Satan is attacking me, not wanting me to spend time in the scripture. When I'm sitting around specifically the forging table talking with these other men, I'm not distracted at all. I'm like, like in the zone, not just in the conversation and the flow of the conversation, but also the flow of the scripture. And so getting together with a group of guys, and it doesn't have to be an enormous group of guys. It could be two or three of you, right? But getting together on a consistent basis, not every now and then, every single week at whatever time that y'all can make it happen. And just go through. And as opposed to trying to figure things out yourself, I'll let you use us as a cheat code. Whatever we talk about on the forging table, that's what you guys are going to talk about. Okay. Now, if you want to do your own thing, absolutely do your own thing. But if you want to follow along with us, follow along with us. But number two, the number two way to avoid being a crappy man in 2023, study the Bible with other men. Okay. Number three, don't be late. Okay. I think I've had this one on every single list that we've had up to this point, but don't be late. Here's the thing about lateness. There are people that think that there are two types of people in the world. There are people that are early, and then there are people that are late. <clears throat> but the thing about it that's interesting is the people that are early, or the on-time people, we'll say, because if you're early, you're on time. That is a particular group of people that has had to, for their entire lives, acquiesce to people that are late people. Okay? So we, we've all been there, right? You're in class, maybe it's in college, and you know it's 10 o'clock and the professor's not there and the professor rolls in at 10.05 and a classroom full of 30 people had to wait for, for them to walk in to start their day. So that's five minutes of wasted time times 30 people. That's 150 minutes of wasted time because we all acquiesce to the late person. You've been in a board meeting or a staff meeting where, oh, it's two o'clock, meeting's supposed to start right now. Oh, but, but Jim's not here yet. Okay, so Jim walks in about 10 minutes, like, oh, I'm so sorry, guys. You know, I, I couldn't find the right coffee cup and you, know, you wouldn't believe the traffic and blah, blah. And then here we are, a room full of people had to wait 10 minutes of time that they will never get back. The only resource in this world that they literally can't regenerate is their time because they waited on you. But for you specifically, if you're already an early person, I'm not talking to you. But if you're a late person and you think it's funny, I want you to understand what you're communicating to people. What you're communicating to people is that your time is more valuable and that you are more important than they are. Because we've gotten to this point in culture where we've acquiesced so much to people that are late that they don't even realize that what they're doing is rude anymore. They will walk into the board meeting 10 minutes late. They won't even apologize. They might even be on their phone. Like, oh, I'm just you know, finishing up an email or, oh, I got to send this tweet out real quick. And then they put their phone down. It's like, okay, let, let, let's get going. And it's just like, there's no shame that we're heaping on that person that, wait a minute, this is what deserves your attention. And we have times for those things because time is important. If time were relative, then there wouldn't be meetings because no one would know when to arrive. But if you have an appointment, if you have a meeting, if you have a date, you be on time. Don't be late. Because it is one of the easiest things that you can do. Now, some people are naturally really gifted at this. Like there are literally people that are gifted when it comes to their interaction with time. And I'm one of those people that no matter when I get something started, I'm, I know that I'm not going to be late. For whatever reason, I can understand the space of what I'm doing versus when I need to be somewhere, when I need to be doing the next thing. That just makes sense to me. 
It doesn't make sense for everybody, but this is an easy thing to get good at. Okay. So if you live 30 minutes away from work and you leave, uh, and you're, uh, I guess we'll put it this way. If you're 20 minutes until you need to be to work and you don't leave until it's 10 minutes after that time, you will be late. Right. And you should know that you're going to be late. And so if you know, it takes you 30 minutes to get somewhere, leave 45 minutes before you need to be there. Because if there is traffic, is if there is a wreck, if you have a problem with your car, there are different buffers that you have to where you can still be on time. And every single year, you're going to have a situation come up where you just can't make it. Something is so completely outside of your control that you will be late. But you should be able to count on one hand the number of times you are late in a year and still have some fingers left over. Okay? You're not more special than everybody else. If people are certainly dependent upon you before they can start or do something, the least you can do is be on time communicate to them that they are just as valuable and their time is just as valuable as yours. Again, one of the top 17 ways to avoid being a crappy man in 2023, number three, is don't be late. Number four, learn to fight. Learn to fight. So this is, I guess, my once a month or once every few weeks call. For those of you that don't know how to use your body to end or to delay a physical threat, that is a problem. That is a detriment in your life. Okay. So there are different categories here and we won't get into all of them. So there are the people out there that are scared of firearms. So they don't own them. I don't know really what to say to those people other than I can't believe you want the fight to not be fair in the other person's favor. If somebody were to break into your house with a firearm, you want to make sure that you basically have no chance of survival and no chance to rescue your family. Okay. I don't know what to do with that person. So let's talk about the other people. For the concealed carry guys that are overweight, that don't know how to fight, that are like, why do I need to learn how to use my body to fight? I carry a firearm. My question for you is, is do you always have your firearm on you? What if someone breaks into your house and you're in the shower? Oh, well, I have a shower gun. I know some guys have shower guns, but what if you're in the fight in an airport? What if you're in a fight in a federal building where you can't legally carry a firearm? What if you had to fly on a plane somewhere for business and now you're in you know, Jacksonville and you live in Memphis, well, your guns are in Memphis. Your firearms are in Memphis. You're in Florida. What, what then? Are you going to buy a new firearm everywhere you go? Like that, that's not really realistic. And so the reason why I say learn to fight is as I talked about last year on the show, and as I talked about on that debate I did over in the UK on Justin Brierley's Unbelievable podcast, it is, on, it is a biblical mandate for us to be able to push back darkness and to do that physically. Okay. Again, go, go back to that debate where I kind of break all those things down and get into that, all that detail. But if you don't know how to use your body to fight, what do you expect to happen if you ever have to get into a physical altercation? Because I know a lot of guys out there that are athletic or they used to be athletic. They're big and they used to be bigger. I'm talking about muscular or they're tall and they think, well, that's good enough. No one's going to want to fight me. Look how big I am. Or even if there were a fight, even though I've trained zero hours my entire life fighting, I, it'll just come to me. It, it'll just be like magic. I'll be in this physical altercation and I'll know what to do because I'm a big athlete. And then you see big athletes like that walk into a boxing gym or walk into a Muay Thai gym or walk into a jujitsu gym and they get smacked around or they get rolled up and they realize, oh, wait a minute, my size doesn't really come into play here. I've said this story a whole lot of different times, but it's, it's worth elucidating again. There's a friend of mine that is 6'5", about 240, 250, 
okay? But not an athlete. Never played sports growing up. Was into speech and debate and reading books and all that. He just never really used his body for anything athletic. Certainly had never been anything that even was close to a, to a fight. And he comes to jujitsu. It's his first time. And we did this drill where one guy lays on his back and the other guy lays on top of him in side control. And the entire drill was, hey, two minutes. The guy on top is just trying to hold the guy with his back on the mat, hold him down on the mat. And the guy on the bottom, all he's trying to do is get up. That's it. So on the mat is my buddy, 6'5", 240, 250. And we put this guy named Jermaine. You've heard me talk about him, Jermaine the athlete. We put him in top side control. And Jermaine is 5'6", 5'7", maybe 150 pounds. And for two minutes, Jermaine, who weighs 100 pounds less than this guy almost, and is considerably smaller, was able to hold him down. It did not matter what the huge guy on the bottom tried to do with no training. The guy on top was a collegiate wrestler and a jujitsu purple belt and with relative ease held him down. Now, Jermaine thought it was funny you know, when the round got over, but he's a really nice guy, so he wasn't going to make fun of him. But I could see the, the look in my buddy's eye when he was on his, on his back for two minutes, getting frustrated, getting flustered, having no idea how to stand up. He had no idea how to fight. And it occurred to him, again, I've talked about this before, he has sisters. And he thought to himself, wait a minute, my whole life I thought, you know, if something ever happened with my sisters, I could just intercede because I'm 6'5", 240 pounds. And then he realized all at one moment that that's not true. That if he didn't learn how to do something like that, he may not be able to help somebody that is being taken advantage of. Someone that is being hurt. Someone that is being wrong, being violated because he didn't know how to fight. So a lot of you guys, I don't know what your motivation is. Maybe you haven't gotten your butt kicked yet. You haven't realized like, man, I, I need to know how to fight. Jiu-jitsu is probably the easiest point of entry for just about anybody. Leave the martial arts that don't really work to the people that want to do those things. So Kung Fu, Wing Chun, Karate, all these things where they don't really work in a real life scenario. Start with the stuff that is just about guaranteed to help you win a fight and to control somebody. Jiu-jitsu and wrestling. Those are the two things that you should start with. Again, for adults, there's not a whole lot of ways to get into wrestling unless you do jiu-jitsu. But guys, there are jiu-jitsu gyms everywhere now. Even if the gym's not great, even if your brown belt or black belt that runs the academy isn't amazing, fine. There are ways to get better at jiu-jitsu even if your home gym isn't amazing. But if you're not learning how to fight, I want you to think about the moment in the future where you are completely helpless from being able to help yourself, your family, or anyone else around you if a physical altercation were to come off. Being a non-dangerous man does not make you a virtuous man. It makes you a useless man. So number four way to avoid being a crappy man in 2023, learn to fight. All right, number five, don't let sports ruin your night. So I could literally give this advice at any time of the year, because no matter what, we're in the thick of some championship season, right? So, so right now we're in, you know, college football playoff and, you know, it's, you know, your favorite college football team and that kind of thing. We got the NFL playoffs right around the corner. And then, you know, at different points of the year, you've got, you know, major league baseball playoffs, you've got, you know, whatever, whatever your sport is, you, you get the point. But the number of adult men that I see let a outcome of a sports game that they're watching on television or following on their phones dictate how they will act and how they will treat the people around them is astonishing. Absolutely astonishing. And for those of you that are new to the show, because we picked up a lot of new listeners last year, I'm not hovering above this advice because I have ruined so many nights in my life, in my, especially in my teenage years and in my 20s, because of sports, specifically St. Louis, St. Louis Cardinals baseball. Okay. I had a job with major league baseball where I was like representing the St. Louis Cardinals. So I was like St. Louis Cardinals super fan. And, but the years before that, and the years after that time period, 
I mean, I lived and died with everything that happened with the St. Louis Cardinals. And if that is your reality, that's baseball. That's an 162 game regular season plus the playoffs, which could be, you know, another couple dozen games or something like that. So my wife would know how I was going to act. Again, this is, you know, early, mid 20s. She would know what mood I was going to be in by checking the score of the St. Louis Cardinals game on her phone. Because if the Cardinals were winning or had won, she knew I was going to be elated and, and having a good time. But she knew if they lost a game in May, that I was going to be, God, I can't believe that. You know, how do you not swing at that? And, but, you know, just go crazy. Some of the worst things that I've ever done and said in my life were because of what was going on in a sports game, right? A baseball game with the Cardinals, a basketball game with the Thunder, you know, Manchester United game, or, or my favorite fighter got beat up, or something like that. And it would ruin my night. And I remember my wife saying something to me. This was in my you know, early 20s. You know, we're still probably about a decade away from having kids. She goes, why in the world would I want to have kids with someone like you that can't even control yourself watching sports? And at the time, that just made me more angry. But as I look back on that now, it's like, wow, how embarrassing is that? That my wife had to say something like that to get my attention. So this is my encouragement to all you guys. I'm not encouraging you to not watch sports because I watch a lot of sports. But I'm almost numb when I watch sports now. I don't let myself get up or down, and it's going to be different for everybody. So going back to the St. Louis Cardinals example, I can't watch St. Louis Cardinals playoff games. I mean, I physically can, but I won't. I will do any number of other things. Because if I watch an important game, or if it's like down the stretch in October and you're trying to get into the playoffs, if I watch those games, I can feel that angry ginger energy coming up towards my brain and those crazy things that I used to do and say because of a sports game, right? And I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be the dad that points at the screen and screams at some athlete that they didn't do something that I certainly couldn't do, but they just didn't do it right based on my opinions and my desires, right? When you have these fully grown up men losing their ever loving minds because an 18 year old child, basically football player, College football player doesn't make the right call in a very tense situation with millions of people watching on television and they will lose it and they will curse that young man. For what? What, what about their life is being increased or made more valuable by what they're doing? So I'm all for you being a sports fan. I'm all for you rooting for your favorite team. I'm all for you, you know, even saying we when you're talking about a university that you didn't even attend. Sure, great. I, I don't give a crap. But if you're letting sports dictate how you treat the people around you, that is, a, that is just wrong. I mean, again, I've been around people that are in their 40s and 50s, and they are like cussing and breaking things because they're watching sports and it's not going their way. The thing is, guys, is no matter who you're a fan of, no matter what dominant franchise that you've you know, hung your hat with or put, planted your flag in the ground, they're going to let you down. Nobody wins every championship. Nobody wins every MVP. No one wins every fight. Okay? So... My, big, my biggest advice for a lot of you guys out here in this audience, that's going to be one that, that hits you right, you know, right square between the eyes. Again, another way to avoid being a crappy man in 2023, don't let sports ruin your night. All right, guys, number six, don't pretend you know something you don't. Now, I've said this in other ways in past years. Uh, I think last year I said, like, relish the opportunity to look like an idiot, okay? So this is what I mean by that. There are times in your life where you're going to pretend to know how to do something or to know something that you certainly don't know. So maybe guys are all gathered around a car with the hood, 
you know, the hood up and you're looking at the engine and you're pretending like, you know what they're talking about. You're, you know, kind of nodding along. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the baba ba goes there and the hoop-de-doop goes through that hole. And no matter what the situation is, whether you're pretending like, you know, something about sports, you're pretending like, you know, something about these particular books, you're pretending like, you know, something about politics. There are a few th- realities happening here. If the rest of the people there are paying attention, they know you're full of crap. They know you have no idea what you're saying because you're not going to talk about the things properly. You know, if you say, you know, something simple, like we'll use a baseball example. You say, hey, how many points did the uh, Cubs score last night? Well, in baseball, it's not called points. They're called runs, right? And so just that little thing is going to let someone know, okay, this person certainly never played baseball. They don't really know anything about baseball. The thing is, though, is when you pretend like you know something that you don't, what you are doing, not only are you lying to, to a degree, you're also stealing the opportunity from someone else to teach you something. And so when, when I say it like relish the opportunity to look like an idiot, here are a couple of big examples. Again, I didn't grow up in a family that hunted or did anything outdoors, right? We didn't hunt. We didn't fish. We didn't camp. We didn't do any of that. So I'm learning those things as a mid-30s adult so that my boys don't have to have that growing up. I want them to know how to do all these things outdoors and how, you know, how to, how to hunt and how to everything. But I'm trying to learn quickly on the back end, right? So I'm making mistakes in my mid-30s hunting that the guys that I'm hunting with made 30 years ago when they were like seven, right? So they've already made their mistakes. They've already experienced the ups and downs of hunting. And this is just old hat for them. But for me, it's all new. Most of these experiences are incredibly different. But imagine if I didn't ask for help. Imagine if I didn't ask for clarification. Imagine if I pretended to know something about what was happening as opposed to just allowing it to be an opportunity for me to be a sponge. And so I'm almost over the top with how I'm talking to these people, constantly asking questions. Hey, you know, why did you you do this instead of going that? Why did we go to that ridge as opposed to this ridge? Hey, what was it about your camo that you put together? Why is it different than mine? Hey, whenever I get my rifle ready, this is how I do it in this order. How do you do it? Again, it's all different. And again, people are going to have different experiences and different preferences and all that, but I'm learning from these people. Don't pretend, don't pose, let these other people pour into your life, pour into you and give you that knowledge. Again, there are people that, that spent their entire life's work doing something that they could put in a book that you could read in a weekend. And from there, you can literally stand on their shoulders to do whatever it is that you need to do. So another way to avoid being a crappy man in 2023, number six. Don't pretend that you know something that you don't or relish the opportunity to look like an idiot. All right, number seven, treat your presence as a present. So I won't spend a ton of time on this one, but this is obviously for the dads out there, but I guess we could you know, extrapolate this out to married men as well. For a lot of you, when you're around people, you're still absent. And we'll get more into that here in just a second, but maybe you're buried in your phone. Maybe your, your mind's at work or at practice or, or whatever the thing is. You're just not present. And some of the best advice that I've gotten from people that have kids that are considerably older than my boys is kids spell love, T-I-M-E, okay? It's time around you that they want, okay? It's not gifts necessarily. It's not, you know, encouragement all the time. It's just being around. But if you treat your presence as a prerequisite or as a box that needs to be checked, you're probably going to operate in a certain way. I mean, I've, I've spent a lot of time watching parents. I got to watch parents for a long time before I became a parent. And now that I am a parent, there's different things that I'm looking for in the other parents that I see. And when you see a kid that's so excited to show something to their dad, but their dad's not quite done with that TikTok video, 
or he hasn't quite set his fantasy football lineup for that week or one of those things. And the kid just kind of walks away disappointed. So you're present, but you're not a present. You're not, you're like, you're physically there, but you're mentally absent. I think of the movie click where it's like, you know, he was just going through his life like a zombie, especially when he got the remote and he's kind of skipping through all the mundane things in his life. Well, he missed entire chunks of his marriage and entire chunks of his kids' lives that they were, as they were growing up. So again, I'll, I'll kind of, you know, tie this into the next one, but that's the number seven way to avoid being a crappy man in 2023. And the number eight way is give the person in front of you your full attention. Now, when I first came up with this, I think it was last year or the year before, something like that. Give the person in front of you your full attention. I was thinking about this mainly in the context of business. I'd been in a lot of business meetings, a lot of dyadic meetings with people where it's, hey, it's, it's just me and you in a room. And yet you have your phone out with its face up. And every time it goes or lights up, you look down at it. So I'm in the middle of a sentence. I'm explaining something to you or I'm answering your question and you're paying attention to your phone now because it buzzed. Or you have your phone in your pocket and every time it goes, all of a sudden your mind shifts and floats off into the ether trying to figure out who that could be that's texting you. Or like you have, like with my wife, I have a different text vibration tone with her than anybody else. So if, if I get that vibration in my pocket, it's like, oh man, you know, what, what does my wife need? Like that kind of thing. Like it gives you that, that anxiety. Like you got to look at it, right? That FOMO. But the same thing is true with guys with watches. Now I wear G-Shock watches. And so I don't get notifications from my phone on my watch. But for those of you, you got your phone in your bag, but your, your phone basically exists on your wrist, your wrist. It's even more distracting because it's even easier to look down at. Because if you're in church with your phone in front of your face, it doesn't seem as rude or it's, no, I'm sorry. It seems like super, super rude. Cause like, oh, this person's not paying attention. They're texting. But if you're looking down at your watch, you could literally just say, oh, I was just checking the time. But if you got one of these smart watches, it's like, well, great. Now I'm giving that my attention. And so it's just a rudeness thing. When someone's in front of you, giving them your attention and there are, they're giving you their attention, their time, their effort. You need to give them your full effort to back, right? You know, they're giving you effort. You should give effort back by at least making sure that you're giving them the full attention. But that can be extrapolated out to your kids as well. And this is one that's, you know, convicting for me because all day long, especially when I'm with my boys or when I'm with my boys, certainly I'm looking for stuff, right? I'm looking for stuff that I can post for you guys online. I'm looking for new books. I'm looking for people that I should be paying attention to. I'm listening to podcasts. I'm doing all those things. I'm just trying to jumble everything into this crazy ginger brain as possible so that I can, you know, speak intelligently on a podcast or as intelligently as I possibly can. And so there's been a lot of opportunities where I'm not giving the people in front of me my full attention. And then I say, well, it's because I'm working. You know, listening to this podcast is working, which is true for me, right? Getting all that information is true for me in terms of what I'm trying to do, what I'm trying to build. But when you're not giving that person in front of you their full attention, what you're communicating to them is that they don't deserve your attention. That whatever you're doing is more important than them. Now, that does not mean that for your entire life, you give 100% of attention to your kid or to whatever. Sometimes they need to go do their own thing. Sometimes you've got to get stuff done. But I'm obviously talking about those downtime moments, those times where you could be distracted, where you could just pick up your phone because you were bored for a split second, that you just leave that there and give the person in front of you your full attention, which is the number eight way to avoid being a crappy man in 2023. All right, number nine, focus on discipline, not motivation. So this is especially pertinent for people this time of year that are all of a sudden really, really motivated to exercise. You know, everyone's seen the memes or the funny videos about what gyms are going to be like in January. And then everybody will leave for February and then they'll rush back the week before spring break in March as if they can get their six pack in about a week or whatever. And I don't know what kind of drugs you're on that to make that happen, but it, it happens for some people. 
But the problem is, is because people waited for all of 2022 on the motivation bug to get them. And then all of a sudden the calendar moves and the year moves from 22 to 23. And that somehow did it. But why? Like, I remember thinking I was watching on New Year's Eve and I was looking on online. All these people were like reflecting on their year and here's what I did great. And here's what I'm going to look forward to doing next year and blah, blah. And then on New Year's Day, it was kind of that same thing. Like, okay, today is day one of this goal or day one of that goal or whatever. And I'm sitting there thinking like, why, what's special about this time period? Because I woke up and went to bed on New Year's Eve and the same on New Year's Day. And it was just like, it was just my life. Woke up and worked out. Spent time with the family. Worked on podcasts, recorded, like, you know, was preparing for stuff in the future, was, was writing and doing all these different things. My life didn't change. And why should it? Because there's nothing different about today than tomorrow or yesterday. There's nothing different. It's just the next day and you're marching towards whatever end or whatever goal that you have set for yourself. But if you have discipline, you're never going to wane from what it is you're trying to accomplish. And the easiest way to talk about this is physically, okay? Because, and I've used this example before, but let's say that you're a person that has to be motivated to do something, and I'm a person that's disciplined, right? That I'm just going to get it done. And we both have the same goal, okay? And that goal is to do a set of 30 dead hang pull-ups. Good, good goal for, for anybody to kind of go after. Good fitness goal anyway. So I'm going to be disciplined, and no matter how I'm feeling that day, no matter how my body is, no matter where my head's at, I'm going to wake up and get the work done. But you're waiting uh, on the motivation to fuel you. The thing is, in terms of the tangible, on paper, plan of what you need to do, we both have to do the same thing. We have to do X amount of pull-ups, X amount of days per week over a certain period of time to get to our eventual goal, assuming we started in the same place physically, right? But I'm using discipline to fuel me, and you're using motivation. The thing about motivation is it will always run out. So let's say you go to a big conference, it's a, it's a wellness conference and there's three or four, you know, big time speakers and all that. And that gives you like three weeks worth of motivation, right? You're reading books, you're listening to podcasts, you're writing, you're doing all the stuff that you didn't do before that conference, but then it's going to run out. Now you're on Instagram or Pinterest, or you're trying to find that next quote from that next person that's, or that next scripture that's taken out of context for you to be able to kind of go through and, you know, coalesce that into some version of motivation so that you can go back and get into the gym. But at the end of the day, it's just you. That quote, that speaker, that book, that podcast, that post is not going to do the work for you. You have to do it and you have to decide to do it. So your fuel should not be motivation. It's fine if you get motivated, but that shouldn't be what you depend on. You should depend on your discipline because your discipline will allow you to get the job done. And yes, some people are born more disciplined than others and some people are more susceptible to motivation and all that. But at the end of the day, you have to get it done. My buddy, Stephen Pressfield, one of the, you know, incredibly famous author written, uh, he sold tons and tons of books. This is a guy that just writes every single day. So whatever project or pro project or projects he has going, he's just writing. That's what he's doing all day. Not all day, but every day rather because he's disciplined because he is a professional writer and he treats it as such. He's doing reps of writing. He's putting in the time he's putting in the work. And he's not always motivated to do it. Guys, the, the days that I wake up not wanting to work out, what is it that you think I do? Just roll back over and go back to sleep? No, because I wanted to be a strong athletic person for as long as that's, you know, capable for me and my body. So what's required of me is getting my butt out of my warm bed, 
putting on my shoes, putting on my clothes and hitting the garage, going to my garage gym or getting in the truck and driving to jujitsu. That's what's required of me because discipline will always, always be motivation. So number nine way to avoid being a crappy man in 2023, focus on discipline, not motivation. All right, guys, number 10, and this kind of relates to number nine, redline physically at least once a week, redline physically at least once a week. So for those of you that were expecting at some point for me to say like, make sure you work out at this point, if you're not exercising, I can't help you. I'm not going to be the one that all of a sudden says the thing and you're like, oh my gosh, for 40 years, I've been sitting on my couch playing video games and eating Cheetos and drinking Mountain Dew. Holy crap. But Kyle's such a genius. He said the perfect thing that helped me realize that don't you know, exercise is good for the human body. You know that already, right? Nobody is shocked when they find out that cigarettes can kill you. Nobody's shocked by that. And so when you see someone smoking a cigarette, it's like, that tells you something about that person. They are literally doing something that they know is shortening their life by a certain period of time. They know that, okay? So I'm not going to get into, hey, you should work out. If you're not working out by now, there's nothing I can say to motivate you. And I'm not trying to. I'm talking about the people that are working out, that are just mailing it in. That are doing the same thing that they've always done. They're doing it in the same pattern with the same amount of weight and the same period of time. And they're fine. You know, they're in shape-ish. I mean, I know a lot of people that exercise that you wouldn't know it. And it's not because they're fat. It's just because they just, they kind of, you know, they're like an amoeba with arms. They're just kind of, yeah, they're just kind of there, right? But when I say red line physically, at least once a week, what I mean by that is whatever you're doing, whether that's a burnout set on bench press, if that's your thing, whether that's an extra set, that's extra distance and with a shorter rest time than what you normally do on sprints. If you're that type of person, if you're on the airdyne bike. And, you know, you're doing Tabatas, you know, 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off, something like that. When I say red line, I mean that when you are done with whatever it is that you're doing, the set or the rep or the sprint or the whatever, that you literally have redlined, that you could not have gone faster, you could not have pushed harder, you could not have done another one if you tried to. Now, for just about everybody, that's not going to be a reality because the reality for most of us is that we always could have gone a little faster, a little harder or whatever. But I want you to do that at least once a week. Because what you're doing when you do that is you are shaking hands with the inner bee that a lot of you guys know about. You perhaps heard Joe Rogan or others talk about that inner bee, right? That voice that's telling you, you don't need to sprint to the next mailbox. Like, gosh, you've already put in enough work today. Man, you should, you should just relax. You should just order a pizza and, and get drink your favorite soda. It's just fine. You've really, really done it. Or you know, you're a little sore today, so you don't really want to push it. And you felt a little tweak in your shoulder. So if you did a, a few more, like, I don't, I don't really know, right? That's a voice that I am very aware of because I'm constantly around him. That inner voice that's telling you to just not go so hard, to just take it easy. Hey, no one else around you is working this hard. Why are you working so hard? But if you want to be excellent at anything in life, but specifically physically, you have to tell that inner, inner you know what? Sorry, I'm going to need you to go somewhere else. Uh, you're, you're a little loud right now, so I'm going to go a little faster to distance myself from the nonsense that you're spitting right now. And you do that. One of the easiest ways to do that is to redline, to absolutely go all out. And when you know that you need to redline at least once that week, it changes your level of preparation, changes your diet the day before and that day, changes the amount of time uh, or the, the amount of water that you're drinking, <clears throat> the, the after workout meal what you're going to do to recover, it all kinds of starts to go around 
whatever it is you're doing. For you jujitsu guys that listen to this, I know there's a lot of you guys. That means that next, you know, you're doing rounds and you know you're going to do five, six, seven rounds at the end of practice. For one of those rounds, just pick a random one, you're going all out. So you're not slap bump and then, okay, I'm going to move around a little bit and pretend. No, you are like, you're on fire. And the only way to put the fire out is that you score 30 points in the next six minutes. Okay. So for those of you out there that are just mailing it in, that are just like, oh, you know, counting the reps and it's just, oh, it's whatever. And it's the same thing over and over and over. I want you to think about redlining. Okay. It's going to be a big, big deal for you. But again, another way to avoid being a crappy man in 2023, redline physically at least once a week. All right. Number 11, look for an opportunity to not be offended. We live in a time and place in culture and in, I guess, the history of humanity where being offended is virtue. You get this unearned moral superiority if you are offended by something. If somebody said something to you and you look at it in the least charitable way possible and choose to be offended, you are righteous. But I want us to do something different. Because I know you can get plaudits from culture and you can get people like, oh, checking in on you, like, oh my gosh, like, you know, you were building a house and someone found a noose uh, at, the, at the construction site and you're black. And that obviously meant uh, a reference to lynching. It couldn't have had anything to do with the fact that people literally use slip knots and a million other type of knots on construction sites. It was clearly a message that was for you. Oh my gosh, are you okay? I know it might be tempting to get that, that energy and that attention from people, but I want you to look for opportunities to not be offended. If someone says something to you that is a little bit off color, I want you to assume they didn't mean it that way. Now, they may continue in that behavior, and that's a different conversation. I'd be giving you different advice. But I want you to look for an opportunity to not be offended. I want you to look for an opportunity for someone to say something to you that maybe used to make you want to fight or make you actually fight or make you want to bow up and say something back to them to try to outdo the dig that they just delivered to you. I want you to look for an opportunity to where you're in that situation, you can just smile. Smile, maybe laugh a little bit, a little chuckle, a little giggle, because it's nonsense. I want you to look for opportunities to not give people what they want, which is to get a rise out of you. Now, if you guys could see from my perspective, you maybe like this show. I assume most of you listening to this, you like it. I mean, here we are, 40 minutes in this podcast, you're still listening. So, you know, I'm assuming you want to be here. But there are a lot of people that don't really like the show. They don't like me. They don't like you guys because you listen to me. You should see some of the DMs I get. You should see some of the emails I get. I share some of them on social media. But if I were an offendable, an easily offendable person, gosh, those things would clam me up. At the very least, they would make me angry, almost, you know, fill me with rage. But on the worst scale would be that they would make me second guess what I'm going to say or what I'm going to talk about because I would be afraid of getting another one of those messages or another one of those emails or another one of those bits of feedback. Okay. And so if I were to listen to all those things, then that is going to affect me and it's going to affect the product I put before you. That's why I tell you guys all the time, I post and ghost. So when I post stuff on social media, I don't sit there and and argue with people in the comments. Like what gives you the right to think that you have the right to argue with me in my comment section on social media? Like, where did you get that idea that that was something that that was just going to be okay with me? Like, oh yes, here, let me put my entire life on pause so you and I can go back and forth on Instagram in the comment section for the next two days. Yeah, that's going to be a tremendous use of my time because I just have, you know, time coming out of my ears. This is going to be a great thing. 
So again, guys, I just want to encourage you that when you feel that anger bubbling up, you know, that tension building up inside of you because you're offended, I want you to look at that opportunity and be charitable to the person and also just let it roll off your back. It's the difference between someone saying something mean to you at a bar or a restaurant and you just laughing it off and moving on with your day, or there's them saying that and then deciding, okay, we're going to get into a street fight as a 40-year-old adult. Like that's a positive use of your time either. Okay. So guys, in this year, just try it out. If you've never been that type of person, a way to avoid being a crappy man this year is look for an opportunity to not be offended. All right, guys, number 12 on the list. I think last year this was number one, but I'm changing it up a little bit, you know, kind of mixing it up on you guys. No porn, no jerking off. Now that's a little crass for some of you guys, but hey, it is what it is. You've been listening to this show for any length of time. That's how we're going to talk about this. I've talked about this at length on this show. I talked about how years and years ago I was, you know, addicted to porn. It was something I was drawn to. And, you know, if you want to have it, you know, outside of the addiction model, it was just my thing that I would like to do when I was bored or just when I, when I felt like I needed a release, I would look at porn and I would masturbate. Okay. It's a problem that an unbelievable amount of people have, not just men, but especially men because of how we're wired. And I've had people on the show, um, that have talked about what porn does in terms of how it rewires your brain. And, you know, changes the scripts with which you expect things from your sexual partners because you look at them. The level of need you create to have ejaculation from using those things. I've talked to men and I've talked to, you know, with men that know about this, that there are men out there that have to watch porn while they're having sex with their wife because they can't keep an erection because they've literally been watching porn so long. They can't get and keep an erection with an actual warm bodied woman in front of them. They can't do it. I've had people on the show that have talked about the people, especially the women in porn that are trafficked. These are not all independent women that just want to make good money. And you know, this is how they choose to do it. A lot of these women are forced to be there by some would call them their producers. Some would call them their managers. I would call them their pimps. They're forced to be there. <coughs> they think that, you know, they're showing up to do X, Y, and Z. And then when they show up, it's like, it's a whole bunch of other things, a whole bunch more people that they're going to have to sleep with in you know, whatever situation it changes. And then they're like, well, I don't want to do that. It's not what I signed up to do. And then they arrive and they're like, well, you're going to do this or you're not going to get paid. Oh, and by the way, if you don't do this, we're never going to let you work again. And then your pimps over there on the corner are like, yeah, you better do this or there will be consequences, right? So a lot of you guys out there, you think that looking at porn and jerking off is it's not hurting anybody. You know, God, it'd be way worse if I went out and cheated on my wife with a real person. Well, Jesus doesn't really give you that out. Because he said, if you looked at a woman and lusted after her, like you've already had sex with her. If you looked at someone and, and hated them, it's like murder. Like it's, he took that, that standard away from you. That when you look at a woman lustfully or when you, you know, play, you know, happy Rolodex in your brain and come up with this whatever situation uh, so that you can, you know, come to sexual gratification and satisfaction. That's sin. And that's something that we are supposed to avoid, not flirt with, not have near us but have it completely away from us. And here's the thing. I know we're getting a little you know, specific here, but if you're not someone that jerks off, if you don't masturbate, then would you ever need to watch porn? Because some people look at it the exact opposite way. They're like, okay, I'm going to try to get rid of porn so I can stop masturbating. That's literally the opposite way of how you should do it. Okay. If you stop masturbating, you now have no need for porn. Like at all. Because to my knowledge, I don't know of anybody that watches porn 
for the enjoyment of the scenes or the cinematography or certainly the story. That's not why I did back in the day. I watched it so that I could look at people having sex so that I could masturbate to it. It was a masturbatory aid. That's what it was there for. And so for you guys, I want you to think, because a lot of you guys listening to this, you have sons, you have daughters. Do you want your sons to have this propensity to need to look at pornography to find sexual gratification? Is that right? Is that ordered properly? And for the dads of daughters, this is going to be a little bit rougher. Would you want to ever see your daughter in a porn film? And you're like, oh, that, that's crazy. That, that's, that's over. You've gone too far this time, Kyle. But the person you're watching being ravaged by some dude whose only job is to make her look as if she's submissive and likes it, that's someone's daughter, someone's sister, someone's mom, and you're just using them as a masturbatory aid. You're literally creating a commodity out of the female reproductive organ for your pleasure, for your selfish pleasure that you assume is hurting nobody. And yet you don't have the foggiest idea how that industry is funded. Because you're like, I'm just watching free porn. Is it free though? Because it's certainly not free for those women that are trafficked that can't get out at threat of death, which is real. So again, I'm talking to you guys. Make me an argument saying why you should be able to do those things. Why that's a positive thing for you. Because again, you thought it's a crazy situation. There are men out there that have been, you know, doing what a lot of men do, clicking from this video to that video to that video to that video, and then they stumble on one of their daughter. It's happened, guys. Now what? So do whatever you got to do to get stuff in place. If you want to have, you know, accountability, uh, you know, software, sure, that's great. I don't care. If you want to have accountability partners, awesome. But guess what? They don't live with you. They're not following you around. They're not smacking your, your hand as you're trying to throw it in your pants. It's all you. Lean on your discipline, lean on the strength that God can provide you in those moments. But if you want to avoid being a crappy man in 2023, that's a great place to start. No porn, no jerking off. All right, guys, number 13, focus on being the most dependable person you know, the most dependable person you know. So there are a lot of people out there that you have in your life, and whether you realize it or not, you're categorizing those people. These people are people that can either Help me in a pinch or someone that I would never call in a million years if I were in a pinch. And you categorize family that way. You categorize your friends that way. You categorize your acquaintances that way, Facebook friends, whatever. But there are people in your life that are dependable and then there are just people that flat out aren't. That goes back to the late people. Like if I can't depend on you to be on time somewhere at an agreed upon time and place, then why would I depend on you for something that's actually difficult? Something that I really need help with. I can't even trust that you'll be somewhere on time. I can't even trust that you will treat my time as important as your time. Why would I think that you would treat my feelings similar to your feelings? That you would love me, your neighbor, as yourself, right? There are little hints that you can get about people as to whether or not they will be dependable. But if you focus on you, on being the most dependable person you know, it's impossible that that won't lead to a better year for you. Because if you're the most dependable employee, whether, whether you're a salesman and you have quotas that you have to hit every quarter, if we can reliably depend on you to hit your quotas, isn't that going to be good for your career? I, I don't really know of salespeople that hit their quotas and then get fired for it, right? It's usually the opposite. They don't hit their numbers and it's like, all right, this isn't for you. See you later. If you're in a Sunday school setting and somebody gets sick or whatever and you've got two days notice and it's teaching Sunday school, 
you should be one of the first people they think of because you're dependable. You're a rock. You're around. Like, I, I know a lot of people that, you know, they, they say that their local church and that their local, you know, their home group or their, their, their Bible study group or their Sunday school or whatever is like, it's so important to them, but they're never around. They're there at half of the meetings or they're, they're constantly canceling. They're just not dependable people. And you think of it as a small, you know, uh, thing that happened just in this truncated period of time. But what you're communicating to people is that if we extrapolate that out to something that actually matters, that's not going to be someone that you can depend on. Because I had people that years ago, five, six, seven years ago, I'm like, oh, those are my people. But then there was time after time after time of little things of like, well, that person wasn't available. And then they weren't available again. And then they had no advice to give me. And then they had, and then it's like, okay, well, that's, that's just not somebody that I could depend on if I really, really needed them. And so if you and everybody in your life and in your group focused on being the most dependable person that they knew, the strength that that would give a group like that would be astonishing. Like imagine if, if everyone in your Sunday school, I'll use a Sunday school example, if everyone in your Sunday school was the most dependable person, like you have a room of a dozen or two dozen or three dozen, however big your Sunday school is, of people that you can just flat out rely on regardless of the circumstances. Like think about how good that would be. For you, for you individually, for your family, for your greater community, for, for the community of the church, the, the lowercase and capital C church, it would just be fantastic. So guys, a way to avoid being crappy man in 2023, number 13, focus on being the most dependable person you know. All right, guys, number 14, figure out what's going on locally and get involved. So as we've talked about a lot on the show, there's a tremendous focus on what's going on nationally or maybe internationally, you're really, really concerned about what's going on in Ukraine, but you're not concerned about what's going on in your own HOA. Now, the situation in Ukraine, and you know, assuming that it doesn't become World War III, that's not a situation that really involves you that much. You can't really affect it. You can't really do much. You're just a spectator. But what's going on in your own neighborhood, that's a big deal. That literally could affect you when you need to make a change or move or suggest somebody move or whatever. Like, things should be focused on locally and then ripple out from there, as opposed to focusing on the macro issues, federal issues, and then trying to bring those back down to how that affects you on a day in, day out basis. But the thing about most people, and, I, and I've been guilty of this certainly, is we're so focused on who's going to be, you know, our party's, you know, selected representative for the next election or whatever the thing's happening with Congress and all those things are important, but we have no idea who our sheriff is. We don't know the name of our mayor. We don't know anybody on the school board, and yet we send our kids to the government schools. We don't know what the curriculum is. We don't know if there's an abortion facility in our community. We don't know if we have pregnancy resource centers or crisis pregnancy centers that are in the same community that outnumber the abortion facilities. We don't know any of that. Now, we may know some you know, national statistics about Planned Parenthood, or we may know some national statistics about this party or that party or this candidate or that candidate, but we don't know what's going on locally. The reality is, is what's going on locally will have a more direct impact on you. Just go back to 2020 when the C word was happening right before the V word was even a thing. Didn't it matter who your local magistrates were? Didn't it matter who the governor was, who the mayor of your city was? Didn't it matter if your sheriff would enforce some of the laws that were coming down? Didn't that matter? Didn't it matter for your business if you were in a city that had people that loved this newfound power that they got from all these new regulations that were just poof, made out of thin air versus the people that wanted you to be able to survive 
and to do everything that they could to ensure that you could survive and not only that, but thrive. That all mattered because of what was going on locally. Because you can fight those battles locally. That's the federalist system. That's why you don't have to live in a blue country. You can live in a red state. Like it's certainly within your, your power. Think about all the places, like the top five states that people moved to in 2022, I think were Tennessee, Florida, uh, South Carolina, North Carolina, and Texas. Those all have certain things in common. They're all ran by Republicans. You have the freedom to do that. Because if your local reality was in California or in Illinois or in New Jersey or in New York or in Oregon, you can change your local reality. But whenever you get there or wherever you are now, figure out what's going on locally and make sure that your voice is heard. Figure out what's going on locally and get involved. Another way to avoid being a crappy man in 2023. Now let's get to number 15. Be precise in your speech. So this goes back to one of the original 12 rules from Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life on our book list, you know, of the 100 books every modern Christian man should read list on our website, undaunted.life backslash book list for all of y'all looking for some stuff to read in 2023. But we're so mealy-mouthed in our modern society. We're very, very imprecise. And what I mean by this is let's say you have a group text and you're inviting people and you're saying, hey, uh, I'd like to get all you guys together. I want to talk about this. Um, you know, here are a couple of dates, uh, you know, on the third or on the fourth, I'm available but between five and 9 p.m. Does this work for you? And if someone responds and says, oh, the third should work. Well, you haven't answered my question. My question was, is are you available on either of these days during these two periods of time? When you say that should work or that could work or that might work or maybe I can, I can make that happen, you're not giving me an answer because I can't do anything with should, could, maybe, might. I can deal with yes or no. Yes, I'm available on the third at 6 p.m. And then you start getting the, the responses from everybody else and you can have any number of examples. That's just the one I picked because it was something that happened here recently. But when you're imprecise in your speech, you're doing no favors to anybody. Now, some people do that because they're sneaky, because they're leaving their options open, right? Someone who were like, hey, you want to come over and watch the fights on Saturday? Well, maybe they, they want to watch the fights, but maybe not necessarily with you. Maybe they want to watch it with somebody else. Or, hey, you want to come over to the Super Bowl party? It's like, well, my wife and I were really hoping we'd be asked by this person. So you're just kind of keeping your options open. It's like when you're you know, going to prom and like someone asks you, but they're like, oh, I'm going to hold out and see if the cheerleader asks me or, or whatever your situation is, right? That's the situation that we find ourselves in because we're being imprecise. But the majority of people aren't doing it on purpose. They're doing it because they just never learned how to be precise. So let your yes be yes and let your no be no. If you're not available, say no, I'm not available. If you are available, say yes. No more could, no more should, because what's baked into your answer is I'm giving you this answer based on my current reality. So let's say the third rolls around and you, your house burns down. Well, you're probably not going to go to that meeting unless it's a very, very important meeting. You probably got stuff you need to deal with. You got ashes you got to sift through, right? So everyone knows that. That's baked into the cake of we need to figure out when we're going to get together because we need to be precise in our speech. Now, that's just being precise and, you know, not saying maybe and all the squishy language, but that also extrapolates itself out to if you're giving an apologetics presentation, I don't mean like in a class necessarily, but when you're talking to somebody, the precision of your speech is very, very important. Because if you say, God is love, and he just loves everything, that's not very precise. But if you say, God is love, because we see in what God's word in the book of John that he is love, and this is what love means, 
That doesn't mean accepting everybody's position for everything that they've ever done or, you know, every single way that they could comport themselves and every single life decision doesn't mean you co-sign and sign on for those things. Precision in our speech is very important, especially if you're having a dyadic conversation with somebody about a hot topic, about, you know, creationism or about, you know, abortion or about something. If you're very squishy in your language, you may feel safer that way, being less declarative, but you're not helping the conversation move in any way. Again, you've got these trend of these Christians that are like, I want to be known for what I'm for, not what I'm against. Well, when you act like I want to be known for what I'm for, you will say squishy, nonsense, vapid things like, I'm for love. I'm for acceptance. I'm for spreading the gospel. But then you don't define what any of those things mean, or you define them poorly or wrongly. A lot of it comes back to imprecision, to not being precise in the things that you're saying. Because if you're going to be precise in things that you're saying, you know what also has to be precise? Your philosophies your thought processes, how you arrived at those conclusions. So if you focus on precision, that'll help you in all of those other areas. So another way to avoid being a crappy man in number, or sorry, in 2023, number 15, be precise in your speech. All right, a couple more left here. Number 16, stop feeling sorry for yourself. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. I mean, the amount of small violins that you could ship out to people that are just constantly worried about their circumstances and wanting you to feel bad for them. It is so exhausting here recently. You know, this was, you know, when everyone's doing their kind of like, you know, come to Jesus with themselves at the end of the year, trying to figure out, you know, what was the year like for me and blah, blah, blah. I saw someone post about how hard their year was, how hard 2022 was for them. And they began to list the things that were tough for them in that year. Some of those things were tough. No, no doubt about it. But then you could tell they started to just add some other things into the list because they didn't feel like their list was, you know, sad enough or bad enough. These people felt so sorry for themselves that they wanted to be able to extend that out and extend the sorrow to you. Random person on Facebook to where you could send some encouraging message back to where you could give them attention. And it's a defeatist attitude. That's where the feeling of feeling sorry for yourself comes from. And no, I'm not talking about actual clinical depression. No, I'm not talking about any, you know, uh, actual chemical imbalance or any type of mental abnormality. I'm talking about people that allow their circumstances to dictate how they're going to operate in the world. They're just, they feel sorry for their circumstances. Oh man, things are just, man, my body's just not working the way it used to. And I'm not as, you know, I'm not as in shape as I was. And man, I just, man, I used to be so quick on my feet and now I'm just not. And man, I just can't believe I broke up with another girl. And like, I don't know. And like my situation with my dad. And it's all this navel gazing nonsense. It's like, could you do me a favor? Could you reach down the front of your pants and make sure you still have a pair? Oh, you do? Well, then go start fixing stuff. You act like all these circumstances are out of your hands. You know, a death of a family member or something like that, like in mo- for the most part, that is out of your hands. But these other circumstantial things, those are things you can have an impact on. Why are you wallowing in the fact that things aren't the way that you want them to be when you're capable of changing them and fixing them? It's because you like feeling sorry for yourself. You like the attention it gets you. You like the looking sad that day and someone saying, hey, buddy. How are you doing today? You feeling okay? You like it. It gives you a little bit of a dopamine rush. It helps you get through the day. That's your, your caffeine. That's your meth. Like that, that's your amphetamines. That's the thing that helps you get through the day. That's your currency. 
The problem is, is if you keep making deposits in the I want people to feel sorry for me bank account, there's a few things that'll happen. Number one, people's sorrow for you and their empathy for you is going to wane over time. Because if Tim's always the guy that's sad, always the guy who's, man, you know, he lost his job again. Or yeah, that another relationship didn't quite work out. Or yeah, I killed another goldfish. Like eventually it's like, all right, Tim's just a turd. Like I, I don't have any more sympathy or empathy left for, for, for Tim. I, that's just not going to work for me moving forward. Another thing that it does for you is it puts you into this constant hamster's wheel of trying to make sure you can stay in that feeling of sorrow. Because if you're sad or if you're sorrowful and people buy into that, then you don't have to change. Like the people that lament, you know, I, I saw recently Bill Burr was with Conan O'Brien on his radio show. And he talked about watching The Biggest Loser with his wife and how his wife's like crying at all these people that are like literally crying about how much they eat every day. And Bill Burr's just describing how he's just laughing his butt off at these people are, are crying about how many pork chops they eat in a day. He's like, there are kids starving all over the world. And these super fat people are sitting here crying, wanting you to feel bad for them because of the decisions they're making. Now that's kind of rude, <laughs> funny, but rude. But those people didn't get to that weight into that state because they were, had an overcomers mindset because they were focusing on spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. Certainly not. They would feel bad for themselves, which would put them on the hamster's wheel to keep them in the cycle of eating to medicate. But it goes back to lots of things. When you read anything about addiction, eating to medicate, having sex to medicate, doing drugs to medicate, you know, self-flagellation to medicate. It all stems from people feeling sorry for themselves and staying there. Stop feeling sorry for yourself this year. Be an overcomer. Change your circumstances, if you're able, be resilient. All right, guys, now we are finally at the very last one for this year. So the number 17 way to avoid being a crappy man in 2023. Again, these are not in any particular order. Be known for what you are for and for what you are against. Again, I talked about this not that long ago on, on this show and, you know, uh, certainly uh, on this particular episode. But we've gotten to this place where we've added an 11th commandment. And the 11th commandment is to be nice. And so what we will do is we will ignore the parts of the Bible that make us feel icky or going to make us have to look at our friends as sinners. Because you're not gay, but you got a gay friend. And you don't want to admit to yourself or have to tell them that what they're doing is a destructive, sinful thing that they need to stop doing in order to glorify a holy and just God. And their brand of sin is just different than yours, but it's more flamboyant and more out there in front of people. Okay. And so you will think about niceness. And I think, what was it? Tom Rayner or Tom Askell last year at the end of last year with one of those, they were talking about neighbor nice, that we will do things. We will twist ourselves up into these theological pretzels so that we can be loving to our neighbor. At least we'll say that. So somebody who is a man now identifies major air quotes there as a female and you will use female pronouns to be nice. You'll be charitable to them by using pronouns that you know do not align with the reality of what God gave them, which is maleness at birth as a gift. Because all good things come from God, so your maleness or your femaleness is a gift. And so you will now become the liar to support that person that is becoming the liar. And there will be Christians all over the place that says, there you go, you go girl, you go boy. 
You're, you're, you're being charitable. You're, you're being Christ. You're somehow spreading the gospel by telling somebody that is mentally unstable that their fantasy is reality. Well, guess what? As I've said many times on this podcast, especially recently, if you say that you are for something, you are always communicating that you are against other things. So for these morons that want to say, I want to be known for what I'm for and not what I'm against, and pretend as if that's the way that Jesus comported himself in the Mediterranean rim or in Galilee or in, in that time that he lived in the three years of his public ministry, you're out of your mind. Read the Gospels again. And then read them again. And then read them again and again and again and realize that Jesus was known for both what he was for and what he was against. That when he would address a sinner, he would not condemn them, nor would he ignore their sin. He is the lamb and the lion. He is all grace and all truth. And so when you say, I am for the protection of the unborn, you're also saying, I am against the slaughter of the unborn. Because duh. Because words have meaning, right? I know we're supposed to be in this postmodern culture where words don't mean what they're supposed to mean. And certainly realities that we've known for thousands of years of humanity don't really, you know, correlate with what we believe and feel today. But don't be one of those pussified Christians that stands behind the bumper sticker or the t-shirt slogan of be known for what you're for and not what you're against. Because you should be known to be against certain things. Because you should be against sin. You should be against the destruction of the Imago Dei. You should be against the sexual violation of folks. You should be against the predation of people, groomers, and pedophiles on children. You should be against the sexualization of children. You should be against the trafficking of people. Again, things that violate directly the Imago Dei. You should be against the things that hurt the heart of God. And you should make that known. You should absolutely. Make that known. Don't sit there and pretend that, well, I'm just going to be on the fence or I'm going to be an independent or I'm going to be agnostic on this issue and I'm just going to pretend that that's me being loving to my neighbor. No, what you're being is a coward. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to all of those. I hope that was helpful for you. I know that took a long time to get through, but I know that it's going to be valuable for a lot of guys listening to this. But before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost. At Undaunted Life, our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. So the link I've got for you today, I've got a link to our donation page on our website. And then also, just a reminder, we've got a link to the Origin website so you can check out the full line of Origin and Jocko Fuel products. So that's geese, jeans, boots, protein, energy drinks, supplements, and much more. Even hunting gear, the hunting gear is so awesome. Again, use the promo code undaunted to get 10% off of your order. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a positive five-star review. If you want me to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. Follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook and check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. And as always, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their music for our content. The music on this podcast is our song Cutting the Tides, which is off their 10th anniversary re-recording of their album leveler the links are in the description i'm your host kyle thompson remember keep pushing back darkness keep forging spiritual mental and physical resilience keep seeking the lion of judah <laughs>